2: Five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Poyansky. The whole
0: thing is very, Tate, very mysterious, dogs, but this is what I, I know. Authorities say a menacing
2: letter received yesterday by a Vallejo newspaper was not sent by the infamous Zodiac
0: Killer. has details. That Area 51, the secret Air Force Base in Nevada, actually exists. In Dallas, Texas, three shots were
2: fired at President Kennedy's motorcade in downtown Dallas. He's been called the East Side Rapist. He's been called the Visalia Ransacker,
0: the Original Night Stalker, and the Golden State Killer. You have now entered into the House of Mystery, the best in true crime, conspiracy, and alternative history with Al Warren and Kevin Thompson. KCAA, the stations that leave no listener behind. Broadcasting on 1050 AM, 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM. The trifecta of talk radio for Southern California.
1: Welcome back into the house of mystery. Coming to you from Seattle on KKNW eleven fifty a.m. I'm Al Warren, and joining me today is uh, Joe Yusinski. Hey, Joe, how you doing?
2: Good. How are you?
1: I'm pretty good, actually. The smoke is clear for the day, maybe. Um, <laughs> it keeps coming and going. Still in September, so I don't know. It's uh, I'm getting tired of it. Looks like it's foggy all the time here. Well, I don't blame you for that, and combine that
2: with the rain in Seattle, and it's either rain clouds or fog clouds. So
1: yeah, and right now you look forward to the rain because it clears out the smoke. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just, not a good place to be.
1: Well, you know, because it's because it, it's been really stinky too, right? People don't talk about that. Like it, it smells like you're right by a fire. Like it smells smoky everywhere you go. Plus, it's like being in fog. So after a while, you start to, you know, you hope for the rain.
2: <laughs> so we get that here in Miami, too. You wouldn't think so, but um, certain parts of the year are actually pretty dry and without rain, particularly the winter. And you wind up with fires out in the Everglades. And that smoke actually comes, um, comes into the city of Miami. Um, So it's 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 pretty common for us, too.
1: Yeah, it's not a good thing. Not a good thing Um, So that of course leads to climate change, but That's a whole other subject (laughs) so and of course the um, Wow, I guess the Nike stock dropped 3% I see um, over their current ad have you heard any gossip on that, on the ad or uh, taking the knee and all that stuff? Or I think I think Trump doesn't like it. Well, <laughs> that seems to be the the case there. And I think
2: he tweeted about it or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I I think it's just one of those things. Uh, I think protest is part of being America, right? It's always gone on, and they're always going to do it, and it's just the way it goes. I don't know. I think it's a little bit overreaction, but, you know.
2: Well, it's a weird place for me to comment on because normally I would think, well, the NFL is pl- paying these players to do a particular job, and the NFL, if the NFL doesn't want them doing their political protests during a game, then then it should be able to dictate that, right? right? Yeah. If, if oh, people yeah. don't want to play under those rules, then they then they, they shouldn't play. But on the other hand... I mean, I'm in a very privileged position as a professor in that I have a, I'm guaranteed a job for life with tenure, and that is there specifically to protect my free speech rights when I'm on and off campus. So, on the one hand, I understand the NFL's position, but I, on the other hand, I really value free speech, and I, and and I just don't want to blanket take it away from. ...from people just because they are employees of the NFL.
1: Right. It's kind of that same thing as with Alex Jones and being cut off. And it's kind of like uh, we're drawing the line here. And it just um, the company should have a right to decide what their employees do within reason. But free speech and protest is part of the American way. Um,
2: Yeah. I mean, sports has always been intertwined with protest. You know, whether it's, whether it's with gender or, or with race. And that's, that's been a very, you know, very much a good thing for this country.
1: Yeah. So it's kind of one of those tough calls. Um,
2: it's just that it's so, the issue of race now is, is so intertwined with party. And because party is so polarized, you wind up with, what we have now, where the NFL taking a big hit because of what the players are doing. And, you know, for me, it's like if I'm a fan of a team and I go and they kneel during this, I don't really care one way or the other if that's what they want to do. Um, but apparently there's people who are so offended by this that they're not buying jerseys or buying tickets or going to the games. So it's, uh, it's a serious thing that our our political feelings are dictating our football fan behaviors <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. It's kind of, like I said, I think it's a big overreaction. I personally don't really care either. I mean, I think that if if they're making a statement, that's fine. You know, make their statement. And then it's done. And then you can watch the game. It's uh, It doesn't make any difference. Um, it's And we're living in an age where it's just outrage after outrage after outrage, where...
2: You know the the right typically criticizes the left for all of its Twitter outrages over everything that it's upset at, Um, but the but the right does it um, gets outraged too, and and this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like okay you have the players doing this well you know so what you can pay attention or not pay attention but to have to have the president of the United States send the vice president just to get angry at a game and then have to tweet about it it's uh I think it goes beyond what's necessary
1: yeah that's what I mean I think I think the whole but but this is the whole term the uh the the whole time that uh Trump's been in he's been uh tweeting about everything. That's just sort of his way. It, 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 it's not taking him away from anything, because this is what he does. So,
2: yeah, I mean, you're in his shoes, right? If yeah. you want to motivate a sector of the electorate, and he sort of positioned himself around, you know, people think that he doesn't really have issues, but he, but he actually does. I mean, they're not policy issues, but they're more normative issues. So he's like he, Trump likes military, likes police, um, doesn't like immigration or immigrants. Um, and and those are sort of the sort of the things about Trump. He's like a, a chest-beating law and order type. Um, there's no law and order to him or what he does, but that's something that he stands for. Right. And, and this is just another way. So the, here, you know, it, his prime audience that he needs to motivate in this upcoming election, I mean, let's face it, are all white voters. He can come out and criticize black protesters at NFL games, you know, and that's only okay. going to work for him. As much as it enrages the other side, it's only going to work for him.
1: Right, right, because he's, he's getting his crowd um, involved and into it. Um, so have you had a chance to hear anything about the Woodward book you know fear in, in Trump in the White House Um yes
2: and it seems to me that it's just a continuation of a whole lot of books that paint a very negative picture of the, of the Trump White House but this is my broader view of Woodward and maybe you could you could tell me if i'm wrong is that he was writing books about the the Bush and Obama administrations, too, and his books seem to go right along with whatever the thinking at the time is. So, to me, Woodward just licks his thumb, puts it to the wind, and that's the tone of the book.
1: Yeah. yeah. He it, it seems to be
2: playing to whatever the public seems to think at that time. He, he's not offering something that's really new or different, and... Frankly, like, like some of the books that have come out in the past, you know, you have anonymous sources and then, you know, the people come out and say, I didn't say that or I didn't do that. So it's, it's not clear what the truth is.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's how he, he dictates. I think that's how he uh, operates is definitely on um, the flow of the nation, the talk, and he centered that way. Uh, but I don't know if um, that makes me question his research. I'm just not sure. Um, it, it sounds pretty dramatic, and um, you know, the thing is, on one hand, I can see those people like John Kelly saying things that they say he did, and and another way, I can see it being sensationalized. So I'm not sure where where you could land on this one, but it's sure creating a stir.
2: So. It- this is what makes journalism different than science. So in journalism you pick what you're going to say and then you go and pick out, you know, sort of the facts that can then help you tell your story. In science, you you don't start with the conclusion and then gather the evidence. It's you have to start with an open question and then gather all the relevant evidence and then see where the cookie's crumble. So that's what concerns me about these journalistic accounts because You know, John Kelly could have said one million things about the president. One of them would have been negative, and that's the one that the journalist could be running with, right? Right. So you can imagine if I say a million things about somebody, eventually something negative is going to come out, but that doesn't paint the entire picture of everything I said and felt about the person. So it's not necessarily representative. And I'm not saying that what Woodward took was necessarily unrepresentative. But there's a, there's a potential there.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's just one, one part. Uh, I, I get that. Uh, being in journalism before, and going around and when you interview people about a subject, um, they give you it from their point of view if they're being honest. So um, it's tough because I could talk to 20 people around you and they'll all give me a different point of view of you um but i can i only have to mention what i want to establish in my book or report right so that's kind of the uh that's kind of an issue i don't know um so i'll
2: give you one good example so i i i'm interviewed you know on average twice a day um by by different media outlets and um I usually spend between half hour and forty minutes on the phone with each of these reporters, of which they'll print, you know, two or three sentences. (laughs) So they get to pick and choose what they want so that it matches what they're trying to say in the story. And I've had, I've had two instances where I was um, interviewed and then they left me out of the story because I wouldn't tell them what they wanted to hear. And one was with the Huffington Post and they called me during the 2016 election and they said, well, Aren't Trump's attacks against Clinton, Clinton's health, sexist? And I said, you know, you could read it that way, but another way you could read it is that just Trump gives out a lot of conspiracy theories, and this is just another one of his conspiracy theories that she's hiding how sick she is from the country.
0: Yeah.
2: It's just another thing that she's hiding, and it isn't necessarily a sexist attack against her, you know, her her health. Um, and the r- reporter would not accept that, and she said, that doesn't match with what I'm going to write, so, you know, thanks a lot, and then left me out. And then another one, another one occurred um, where CNN called me, and they wanted to talk about conspiracy theories, and they said, you know, um, how do these things spread? And I say, well, sometimes when news networks like CNN put uh, conspiracy theorists onto their primetime programming, um, like it spent all that time on Sandy Hook conspiracy theories... Um, it can wind up starting these things and making them a lot more popular than they really are or should be. And, of course, CNN did not put me into that article.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not going to go well. you got to say Fox. Hey, I- Yeah, I mean, but, but that's the point. It's that,
2: that if they were going to be honest and truthful, then they they would have gone ahead with what I had said, right? Because they're calling someone who they know is an expert on the topic um, but because it's something that goes against their branding while well, they leave it out. Well, that's not honest reporting. That's just, you know, trying to cover their own behinds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, the, the only thing is I don't know. Do, do you think that's something that's recent or has this been going on all along? I, I think this personal bias in reporting has been going on all along. I don't think it's something that's just new.
2: No, I think it's been there forever. I mean, and it's, it's, you know, we like to look back at that golden age when news was objective, but that never occurred. Um, news is handpicked for, you know, for purposeful reasons um, by humans who have their own sets of biases. And it's not such a big deal if you have lots of people in a newsroom whose biases are all going in different directions. But when they all tend to go in the same direction, that's when you run into problems. Yeah. And you, you you wind up not being able to check those biases. So, I mean, I'm very aware of this. I work in a political science department. Um, and just like other political science departments, um, I'm the only person not left of center.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> so, and, I, and I'm not even a Republican. I'm a libertarian. So, but I have to, you know, I know when I make claims that I'm going to be body checked by my by my colleagues who are going to have views that are very different than mine, and that's okay. That's that's actually good for me. Um, but they get it from me too. So
1: yeah, yeah, it goes around, uh, but, but it's not not anything new. And um, I, I okay. So now when we talk about QAnon then and. Uh, how that's still going on? Um, what are we What are we learning from QAnon, and and what is real and what isn't? Like, what what's What do you think the purpose of QAnon is?
2: So it's still hard to know. So you still have these um, messages coming out from Q, and they're they're all over social media because there's not a big following, but there's a a, a very small following that that's really into it. And sort of a small industry has sprung up on YouTube of people making videos about the Q breadcrumbs and interpreting them. And I'm very proud to say, um, and I didn't even know this, um, but a Q follower texted me and said, um, Hey, you should be really proud. Q just mentioned you. So I, a piece that I wrote for the Washington Post last week was actually the subject of a Q drop. And then Q commented on it a few times. So... So I am now in the Q Q world, <laughs> and um, I don't think I don't think that's good because the Q followers have been coming at me on, on Twitter, and they're absolutely convinced that you know I'm part of some deep state plot um, to take down Donald Trump. But I want to assure everyone that's not the case.
1: Well, that's not what I
2: heard. <laughs> <laughs> but the interesting, but here's here's an interesting thing is that people see this Q thing; it got reported on a lot. Like, like, I think I did 70 or so interviews just on Q over the course of two and a half weeks when it just blew up in early August. And some, some liberals started commenting on this and saying, well, this Q thing just shows that, you know, the right wing is a bunch of conspiracy kooks. And it doesn't show that. Because, first of all, there are very few people who believe in Q. So, you know, the first thing we can learn is that you know, just because the media reports on something doesn't mean it's really big. Oftentimes, the media is looking for things that are out of the ordinary. And Q is just a really bizarre conspiracy theory. It's out of the ordinary, so they ran with it. But it's not representative of Republicans or Americans in, in, in general. It's very fringe. And then, second of all, it's easy to, you know, look at the other side when they have a conspiracy theory and say, ah, it just shows they're a bunch of nuts. But it's it's... You know, that's just not true. Both sides are equally guilty of this. And um, so a good example of this happened um, during the Judge Kavanaugh hearings. And a woman happened to be sitting behind the judge, and she, she works for the Trump um, administration, and she had her arms folded, and her fingers looked um, like they were in an okay gesture. Um, which is also the gesture that some people say means white power. And it got big on Twitter that this Trump official was signaling white power behind Judge Kavanaugh and that this meant that not only was she a neo-Nazi, but Kavanaugh was a neo-Nazi and this whole uh, judicial pick was meant to bring white power back to the Supreme Court.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's a lot.
2: Yeah, so big news if it's true, right? I mean, that would be absolutely awful and completely unacceptable.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, All over Twitter and people, you know, people on the left were freaking out about this. As it turned out, um, the woman who was giving the supposed white power signal um, was half-Jewish and half-Mexican, born in Mexico, um, whose grandparents escaped concentration camps during the Holocaust. So, of all the people that potentially would be signal, doing neo-Nazi signals, this is not it. Yeah. So, it just goes to show that sometimes when people are convinced that something's going on, they're going to find the evidence that they want to show them how right they are.
1: I, I just wonder, you know, um, do you think there's uh, there's just people scanning, looking for things like that? Like, anything they can see? I think
2: if you, if you have millions of people watching something and they're all, all their minds are pointed in the same direction and they all have the same conclusions, they're going to find the evidence that they want that supports what they already think. And it's just, it's very human. It's a very human thing to do. Um, in the right does it too they see things that they want to see that just shows them how right they are it says everyone finds the evidence that shows them how right they are and this is this is just yet another example and people have to be very careful because you know you're accusing this woman who's not a neo-nazi clearly of being a neo-nazi that's a pretty awful charge to throw at someone
1: well it is but i i just wonder if if That'll really subside if if she'll really be cleared of it because uh even when there's direct evidence or we see something and if you look at it rationally, you realize okay, this is wrong or th- this isn't the right analysis uh people still run with it uh, so let me
2: give you let me give you two different headlines from two um, ideologically different sources, so the Washington Post on the one hand, which is more left-leaning, and then Fox, on the other hand. So this is what the Washington Post said. That was no white power hand signal at the Kavanaugh hearing, comma, Zena Bash's husband said. Zena Bash is the woman who supposedly did this signal. So they come out and say, oh, that wasn't a hand signal, says the husband, right? So it's not particularly strong. It's sort of we're just reporting on the fact that they're denying this. Fox News, on the other hand, Social media users falsely accuse ex-Trump official of making white power gesture at Kavanaugh hearing. So, so you can sort of see how these are, are are reported differently. Where on the one hand, Fox News is going to defend this person and say it's you know this is completely false, or Washington Post is a lot more tepid. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and that's and and unfortunately, that's how people are reading it so you know they're not they're not people are not crossing i I, like you get feeds from both sides and i like how things are (laughs) so different on the same story well i guess i don't like it but i i certainly realize that but you just but you asked
2: me the question about bias and it's 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 not necessarily even purposeful it's just the way that we're wired we all see the world through our own lenses and um, if we don't have people around us with different lenses, it's very easy to get stuck in a little bubble where we see everything the same way, and we always find evidence showing that we're right. Yeah.
1: So it's not very hopeful. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't see. Um, I, so what's going to happen to this lady now? It's, it, it,
2: it's not clear. I mean, they're pushing back pretty hard against this. And, my guess, you know, my guess is some of the people who made these comments will, will you know, take them down or to apologize. Um, but probably most won't. And it just sort of shows, you know, as much as, you know, people are concerned about living in a post-truth world, um, they don't care when they spread the post-truth themselves.
1: Yeah. Uh, so now, is Q Q N and Q going to keep on going, do you think? Like, what's you're saying it's not really catching on with the right, which is really who it's aimed at. Um, so what's going to happen there? Is this something that's going to disappear, you think? Um, gosh, it's hard to know. I mean, it, the, whoever's
2: doing it has every reason to keep doing it. Because it's essentially cost-free. I mean, all they're doing is, you know, commenting on some social media platforms a couple times a day. Um, If they go away, it will be because because eventually they have no more meaningful information to offer or because people figure out that they never had any meaningful information to offer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know, and that happens a lot.
2: And you know, interestingly, Anonymous, that that internet group Anonymous, right. um, decided to go after Q, and they wanted to expose Q followers um, and expose uh, uh, people who are pushing this. And it turns out one of the main Q Twitter feeds, Anonymous revealed, is uh, is 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 run by somebody who works at InfoWars.
1: Yeah, well, that doesn't surprise me. Does it surprise you? Is that? Um, no, I just thought it would be someone else. I and mean, it's it's um, Jerome Corsi is the
2: person that uh, that anonymous name. And Corsi, as you you know, you're probably familiar. Yeah. Uh, he wrote the book. He wrote the book about how Barack Obama faked his birth certificate, and he's a, a chief correspondent for Alex Jones's channel.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I've had him on the.
0: to find
1: out if it's right for you show and it it, it it didn't go well I, I I've had a run-in with him myself so yeah but um, I, I so uh, is that maybe uh, Infowars' way of, of being in contact still being that Alex Jones is on his suspension
2: it's hard to know because alex jones and q never had a very good relationship and you know so there was a point a few months ago where alex jones came out instead of saying i don't believe this thing it's a it's a bunch of baloney he did a very alex jones thing he said i believe the q has been compromised you know so you can sort of knock away one conspiracy theory by appealing to another yeah.
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe he's, he hasn't been on the attack enough uh, for Q to... Uh, yeah, I
2: mean, it's... it's it's Yeah, so this Q thing, it appeals largely to people who are really conspiratorial in their mindset. So we when we collected some survey data on this in Florida, we found the only people that liked Q were, were people who were really strong conspiracy theorists. So for them, you know, everything was a conspiracy. And, you know... I have a difficult time saying, you know, this conspiracy theory is more zany or wacky than that one. It's tough to compare among theories because they all make incredible claims. Um, At least most of them do. But, But consider this. I mean, you think that the Mueller investigation isn't really what we think it is. It's they're really investigating Hillary Clinton for her crimes, which include a pedophilic... Sex ring and uh, uh, gosh, being pedivores, and I don't know if you're familiar with that term. I didn't know what it meant until I was accused of being one on Twitter oh. but a few followers. <laughs> but a pedivore someone I, I guess they, they get babies, wrap them in gold, cook them, and then eat them for the magic powers. So, oh, okay, so this is so this is wacky stuff, right? Is you're, you're taking people, accusing them of the worst, most. Heinous things they could possibly do, and then wrapping it all together, and then deciding that there's really strong evidence for this, and being really convinced. And and a problem is here is that 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 these people's confidence in this theory far outweighs the evidence that they have.
1: Wow! So you've been wrapping up babies and cooking them, <laughs> or, or that's what they say on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, what makes someone actually say that about someone else? Um, It's,
2: you know, it's the funniest thing because we would never, I've been thinking about this on Twitter because I've been getting, um, you know, these sort of weird attacks on me, which are more amusing than anything else, Um, but, you know, you would never walk up to somebody in a mall and accuse them of, of cooking and eating babies. Right. You only do that on social media.
1: What, what what's the psychology behind that? I mean, what would um, I, I mean? You know, because I mean, if I personally really believed that that's what you were doing, um, then wouldn't I go to the police? Wouldn't I like like what's the psychology? I wouldn't just go to Twitter and say, "Oh, this is what this is what you do."
2: Yeah, so. But that's the thing, is that they they can explain away their own lack of evidence by saying that I've covered up the evidence, right?
1: Well, you ate yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, I ate it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I mean, that's pretty heavy. I've heard about the pedophile and, and uh, the ring with Clinton and all that. And, uh, you know, I... I I just don't get it. Same as like uh, I I've seen a lot of stuff in the news the last day about um, you know uh, Trump with uh, Aretha Franklin saying that she worked for him and people upset and then you've got pictures of Bill Clinton oogling over uh, Ariana Grande doing the performance and stuff like where where, where is this going to end like who cares.
2: It's 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 weird, and I have no idea where it's going to end. It, but but this has always been with us. It's in some form or another. If you go back thirty years, we had the you know the child care Satan cult scares going on, and only recently are we still letting people out of jail for phony satanic cult crimes. And you know it's funny. I watched some X-Files episodes from the early 90s where, you know, sometimes they think there's a satanic cult that's taken over a town or something like that. And even the X-Files is like, you know, there's never been any evidence of satanic cult ritual activity or abuse or anything like that. But somehow, <laughs> it, you know, people can believe it when the X-Files
1: doesn't. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, you know, you you're going too far. <laughs> so so now the so the biggest conspiracies have is still with q and, q and um and um i guess that would that's kind of is that the biggest thing going on right now
2: it's sort of yeah and 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 i'll tell you one other thing too that it's probably in the realm of conspiracy rather than conspiracy theory and that is that we our government is still uh pushing very hard to break encryption and they want to force tech companies to give the government a key to get in the back door of people's cell phones. And because they haven't been able to achieve that yet in the U.S., they're trying hard in Australia right now. There's a proposed bill that would that would force tech companies to install uh, keys in all their apps. So when people download the apps, it would give the government access to their phones and their private data. So this is real. This isn't this isn't in the realm of conspiracy theory, but I mean these are the sort of things that are real that people should be paying attention to. Not to the phony, you know, baby eating stuff, but since 9/11, we've built this massive security apparatus and it only wants to grow bigger and to do that it just needs to find more places to search and search and search and and they want to get into everything and we need to push back.
1: Well, and who, who directs that? Is that like the presidency or Senate or like who is behind that? Just CIA?
2: Well, I'm sure the president is. I'm sure the president doesn't care much about anybody's, you know, personal data privacy. Um, but the head of the FBI came out recently and said, you know, we need to get into um, people's devices. We need to, to get around encryption. I mean, it was only, you know, a year or two ago that they tried to force Apple to let people into a, um, the cell phone of two terrorists. And Apple Apple wouldn't do it. Huh.
1: So, that, that now that would be, how come things like, okay, so that's where we come back to the media. The media doesn't really talk about these things. And so, it, is that a conspiracy within it itself?
2: No, I I don't think so. I mean, some media does, but uh, unfortunately, you know, like I said, you have both Fox News and Washington Post spending time on this fake white power sign, um, but not paying attention to the protection of our personal rights. And, you know, a lot of the mainstream media is, is very intertwined with our political establishments, and you often don't get the pushback that you should get. So you can find it but you're, you're not necessarily going to find it, you know, in the headlines of the biggest media outlets.
1: Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, so now in uh, you've got a new book coming out in November, I believe.
2: Yeah, so Conspiracy Theories and the People Who Believe Them, uh, about 500 pages of, of the best stuff you'll ever read about conspiracy theories. I brought in... Uh, scholars from all over the world to write about conspiracy theories from all over the world. So um, you can hear about things that are going on with conspiracy theories in Argentina, England, Poland, you name it. Um, But if you ever had the impression that the U.S. is exceptional because of its conspiracy theories, the answer is no. That's the one area
1: where we're not really that exceptional. It's all
2: over the world. Uh,
1: Now, so there's people in the other parts of the world, like you were saying, Argentina and England and, and that, are, are they doing or having the same types of conspiracy theories, or is it something different? So,
2: in other places, you, you, you'll you have them used by leaders just like they're used here. You know, when a leader needs to defend himself against an investigation, it's, just, it, it, it's a witch hunt, right? Right. And, and you see that in Argentina, where they had a former president, uh, Kirchner, who, you know, eventually got arrested, um, claiming there was this uh, conspiracy against her, and then she went and said that the Jews control the economy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and if you go to Poland, you still have very, um, you know, widespread anti-Semitic uh, views. Um, you have a big conspiracy theory in Poland about... Uh, women's studies departments on college campuses, that they're somehow trying to destroy the Catholic Church. Um, I mean, there's nowhere that you can go where you escape from it. And and what you find is that there's more continuity across the world than there is change. Because a lot of the big conspiracy theories
1: are sort of big everywhere. So they're very similar, just some of the characters are different, that's all.
2: That's Right. That's right like if an event happens in Poland they'll come up with conspiracy theories but just like just like here um, but when we poll across Europe we find that they're just as likely to believe in different things as, as we are and sometimes more likely you know so if we poll about the uh, the moon landing in the US we only get six percent of people that say they believe the moon landing was faked. Um, but if you poll in France, you get three times that. You know, so they're a lot more convinced. Almost fifty percent in France believe in the white replacement theory that whites are going to be taken off the continent and replaced with um, Muslim workers.
1: Wow, did uh, w- <laughs> what? What causes such a difference? The same as with the moon landing. Why? Why would they be three times likely to to not believe? It's the same reason
2: why, uh, you know, in other countries, they're more likely to believe in, in 9-11 truth theories than, than Americans are. So for the moon landing, I mean, that's a point of pride for Americans. So most aren't willing to say it was faked. But if you're from another country, yeah, you, you don't have any pride attached to the American accomplishment. So you're like, sure, they faked it, you know. Um, with 9-11. I mean, for us, that's a serious event that happened, a serious wound that we incurred. And, you know, most people aren't going to say that it was faked. here. It must, it must, you get about 25% of the U.S. believing in 9-11 truth theories. But if you, if you go to other countries, you'll find bigger numbers. You know, and if you have populations there, uh, particularly Muslim populations, who want to um, not accept the fact that it was, it was 19 uh, Muslim hijackers who did this, then they'll be much more likely to um, say it was a conspiracy.
1: Well, how does that change the way they live? But Like, if someone lives in a country that, um, you know, it's quite high where they don't believe we've been on the moon, do they change the way they live day to day? Does it make it different? Because, uh, you know, do you, do you believe in tides and the sun and the moon and, and a lot of science, doesn't that sort of hurt science? Yeah. Well, most
2: people accept that the moon is real. I mean, some people don't. I mean, there's a there's a cult of people who uh, follow a guy named David Icke and they believe that lizards rule the planet and that the moon is, like, flat and has a base on it that's hidden. Um, yeah, but most people accept the moon. So it's not going to change how they live. Right, like I can believe in Kennedy assassination and nine eleven theories, and and Barack Obama fake his birth. I can believe all those things, and not have it affect my day to day life. Um, but it's when you start to believe in things that do affect either your life or the people around you where it becomes dangerous. So if I start to say, well, um, I think vaccines are part of some plot, and I'm not going to get vaccinated. Well, now I'm putting myself at risk, and I'm putting the people around me at risk
1: too. I, I'm just wondering, but you know that. But that's that in itself. So, uh, why the big break from science? That's
2: hard to know. I mean, if if you go back, you know, fifty years, you know, the new technology, the new thing. The the new science advancement it was a big thing in America. It was something that people really cared about, and then over time, particularly the sixties and seventies, there was this pushback towards natural living, where natural sort of became uh, synonymous with clean and good, right? So go to a Whole Foods and everything's oh it's organic, it's you know non-GMO, you know. But all they're really saying is it's anti-science. Is we're using the least efficient methods. To grow our food, um, and it really doesn't make one one heck of difference. And I know we're on in the LA market, so there are going to be people freaking out with me saying this, but <laughs> um, it's it's there is a pushback against this. And and just to preview the future, I mean, they've started making lab grown meat, right? Right. Now the big question is. Um, you know, we know that meat is terrible for the environment. Just growing the meat and, and all the waste it does, it's terrible for, for climate change. Are people going to be willing to eat lab-grown meat? You know, because what if we can make a substitute that tastes the same, is just as good for you, perhaps better? Will people make the
1: switch? Well, I, I don't know, because I think there's there's a real question in science right now. Um, it's, it's almost... The people I hear from, um, they they think that it's it's a it's a conspiracy. I hate to say, but they think it's something that's bad that they're, um, and I'm not sure why.
2: Oh, that's right, and it's just a, a lot of these beliefs about bi um, you know bio agriculture. They tend to come from an underlying anti-capitalist view. It's like, I don't like capitalism and I'm going to attack it. And they just go after this particular thing. They say, I don't like Monsanto. They're trying to kill all of us. It's like I attend the, the anti-GMO rallies and, and, you know, most of the, the signs that people hold up are all, you know, they're either anti-corporate, anti-capitalism, talking about some sort of conspiracy theory or spreading, you know, things that are just false, false information. So, you know, there's something there, but they're picking and choosing the evidence that makes, you know, that supports their case rather than looking at all the cases. We've all been eating GMO food forever, and all that's changed in recent decades is that we can do it better with science rather than doing it out in a field.
1: Yeah, we had Doctor Ed Haslam on, and he um, wrote um, Mary's Monkey or something like that. I think the book was called. And uh, he, in his book, and his suggestion is that uh, science created the AIDS vaccine, or the AIDS <laughs> virus. Sorry, and and therefore they science is bad.
2: Well, I don't think that's true. Um, but, you know, if that was your viewpoint, then obviously you would think science is bad. I mean, if you, there's a really neat interview with, um, oh gosh, there was a movie that came out about, um, God in the, in the college classroom, and it was about how God was being pushed out of the college curriculum. And, you know, people who believed in creationism uh, weren't being allowed to talk about that in colleges. I, I think it was Ben Stein. He, he made the movie, or he narrated it at least. And he gave an interview after the movie came out, and he said, you know, um, God is warm and loving and this and that, and you get good things from God, but science gives you death. <laughs> and, they, and, you know, the, the truth is there couldn't be anything further, you know, um, from fact. You know, things are going really well for humankind because of science and because of the things that we've learned. I mean, we're living... Um, you just look at our lifespan. You know, we're living so much longer than we used to live. Yet somehow people are saying we're all being killed.
1: <laughs> yeah. well,
2: data just doesn't show that. I mean, we've got more people living longer, but we're all being killed.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, there's some sort of... I don't know. That's why I just—that's why I was wondering if there's an actual conspiracy. Like I knew the AIDS thing, you know, that I've heard that you know it was created by scientists, and there's all sorts of gossip about that. But I just don't—I just don't know where the um, where the the major f- theory is in science um, and GMOs.
2: Well, I'll give you one thing. So you have, I mean, economists can estimate the number of people who have died because of fear of GMOs, right? I mean, we're, we're farming less food less efficiently. It's bad for the environment and it's bad for particularly people in Africa who are very vulnerable and because they can't grow this stuff because um, either the governments won't allow them or because in particular the EU won't, won't allow the importation of it. Um, so it, it, it really hurts Africa, the most vulnerable, some of the most vulnerable people on the planet. Um, but just to go to AIDS for a moment, it, you know, governments in Africa, like South Africa, they said that AIDS was fake and that the medicine was designed to kill them. So they said it was better just to take vitamins and get massage if you had HIV. And, and they and scientists estimate three hundred thousand people needlessly died prematurely because because of that because the government did that. Wow. So you can ignore science because of a conspiracy theory. You're just going to cause death. I mean, that's 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 the outcome.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy how people can. Uh... You know, they they get told when the uh, sun eclipse is going to be, and they get their glasses and run out there. But then, if science produces something else, um, they'll run and hide from it.
2: Yeah, we we all pick and choose. You know.
1: Well, you do. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: oh, uh, so now that book doesn't come out until November. Uh, yeah. Five hundred pages. That's a big uh, that's a big haul. Yeah, but I think it's it's not very expensive
2: on Amazon. I think they priced it less than $30, so it's it's priced to sell.
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, we've got it linked up, to. Wow. So, um, what you, so what do you think is going to be next? Can we guess? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the big thing that we have to watch is what
2: goes on with the Trump investigation. Um, is a shoe going to drop before the midterm? You know, and... Um, If not, then the Republicans might keep the House, but if Mueller comes out and makes a charge, um, either against Trump or some other high-ranking official and maybe claims publicly that he has direct evidence of collusion with Russia, I mean, that can really change things. Um, But until that happens, I think we're just going to be in stasis with two sides just pointing conspiracy theory fingers back and forth at each other.
1: Do you think that would really affect um, the Trump supporters, But No, but here's the thing, is that if you
2: have really, really bad news come out about a president right before an election, it's not that you have to affect the voters, it's that it will affect the donors. Because the donors will get nervous. They're not going to toss money in to support what they think will be losing campaigns. And that's where you get the big problem, and then you don't you don't necessarily wind up with Trump voters changing their mind. You wind up with people staying home, yeah, because they've already decided that they're going to lose. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, we'll see where that goes. And uh, he's been one of the most unusual presidents for um, he still does rallies.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, (laughs) he's a populist. He's got to go out and be among the people, um, both on Twitter and in person. So, um, and, you know, there are clear sides drawn, you know, there's no one without a, a real opinion on this, right? So, um, most people know where they stand, and now it's just about motivating people to get them out. It's just trying to push the turnout. It's the ground game.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then then, then the if the Democrats get in, I guess they'll try to impeach. They might,
2: uh, but that, you know, they can go for it. It wouldn't necessarily help them, right? Because the Senate's still going to be uh, um, very close, right? Even if the Democrats take it, and it's not necessarily clear that they would, Um But let's say they did. It's going to be by a razor-thin margin. And they could impeach, but it doesn't mean that he would be convicted. And it may very well backfire on them, just the way it did when the Republicans went after Clinton.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and people don't like all that process. They don't like the whole legal process now. So, um, yeah. Yeah,
2: and the thing is, if they go through these impeachment hearings and it's just, you know, political theater... It it it'd be nice red meat for the supporters and the donors, um, but it's gonna turn a lot of people off who are just gonna have negative, awful news every night and say, Why are we doing this? Yeah. Yeah. No good outcome but, here. Particularly when the economy's good.
1: Yeah, yeah. People want to leave leave well enough alone. <laughs> <laughs> well well, Joe, it's been great. Um, and uh, we have we have your uh, book up, and of course, I've linked your website as well. So people uh, check out Joe's website and uh, definitely pick up his books. Um, th- thanks for being on again.
2: Well, thank you. Always a pleasure. To find out more about our show guests, or listen to a previous show, visit our website at www.somethingweirdmedia.com. Show is over for
0: now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com
0: You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com